welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about Season 3, Episode 16, Doppelgangland. Woohoo! Just two small announcements this week. Well, more like one small reminder and one not-so-small announcement. Next week is our book club episode, so if you have not delved into Sins of the Father, now is the perfect time. And we found out Thursday night, well, this Thursday, whenever we're recording this, because we're recording this on Comic-Con weekend. Yep. So <laughs> Sarah crashed the Teen Wolf panel to announce that she will be returning to television. Uh, she's not only going to be producing, but also starring in the Paramount Plus Teen Wolf spinoff Wolfpack. I know that like upped all of our excitement. Yeah, yeah. Like I was, I was ridiculous. This Teen Wolf, like we all got into it slowly, like one of us at a time. And the show is so ridiculous. And we got so invested in this dumb show. And we were all going to watch Wolfpack anyway. But finding out that Sarah's involved just made it up the ante of it. So she's probably going to play somebody's mom. I apparently Derek's gonna be a dad. Maybe she's gonna play Derek's mate. Oh, mm, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, there's there's so much, so much to unpack there. Ooh. So, double gang land. Um. Air date, February 23rd, 1999. And our synopsis is, after Anya frees the vampire Willow from the alternate Sunnydale, the gang races to save Oz from his ghoul friends. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I they you, did that. I know you loved it being loved having to say that, Mary. Oh, I, I loved it so much. How much did it hurt? It hurt a lot. <laughs> So what are our international titles, Froggy? This week, um, because the play on words that the title has, Doppelganger, Gangland, doesn't really didn't really translate well, I don't think, in some of the other languages. So the entire list I am reading today. Oh wow. Yes. So everything all the countries that they have, I will be reading today. So Armenian is land of twins. Czech and Finnish are both just double. French, the two faces. Ooh. German, they did try to keep with the way that the title is worded. They have Land of the Doppelgangers. Hungarian, the other Sunnydale. Italian, the parallel world. Oh. Japanese, Willow's Doppelganger. Polish, Demons, Amulets, and Other. I like that. I do too. I do too. Especially and other. Portuguese from Brazil is the land of clones. Romanian is just copy. Russian, land of doubles. Spanish from Latin America is land of the gangs. And Spanish from Spain is double personality. Oh, I like that one too. But I think I like demons. Demons amulets are the best. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, and that that's a good one for a title anyway it's yeah that works. It, it brings in everything yeah it, co- it covers a lot of bases our previously on this week reminds us not only of the events of the past two episodes and the beginning of faith's descent into darkness but also of anya and the events of the wish 
which is fitting as right after that we see Anya in a crypt bargaining with de Hoffren to get her powers back. He refuses her, saying she lost them due to her own carelessness. She had them stolen. For a thousand years, she wielded the power of the wish, wreaking havoc upon unfaithful men. And now, now she's stuck at Sunnydale High. Mortal. A child. And she's flunking math. <laughs> I, I feel, yeah, I feel. Yeah, you. I feel, on, I felt yeah. a lot on that one. Yeah. De Hoffren says this is no concern of his or the lower powers. She will live out her mortal life and die. But he has the power to fold the fabrics of time. If he sends her back, she knows she can change it. She won't fail him again. He tells her her time has passed. Angry, Anya says she is getting her power center back. And if he won't help her, well, then by the pestilent gods, she will find someone who will. Cue Willow. Laying on the lawn, <laughs> high and floating a pencil as she talks to Buffy, who is doing sit-ups. Buffy says the shrink from the Watcher's Council has them doing all sorts of tests. Including the one where they test whether or not you're a psychopath by asking if you hear voices or ever wanted to be a florist. Willow starts to say she once wanted to be a florist, but then realizing florist equals psychopath, <laughs> she stops herself. Nope, never once thought about it. Sitting up, Buffy notices Willow's pencil floating, remarking that it's neat. Willow explains that it's all about emotional control and magic. Hey, does Buffy want to go to the espresso pump and get all sugared up on mochas? Buffy says she can't. She needs to go running. Look, if Buffy doesn't want to go, I will go. I, w- I was going to say, I am 100%. Right? Getting all sugared up on mochas sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah. that there, there will never be a time where I will say no to getting sugared up on mochas. I mean, we all know, we, like, for all of you who don't really know us, Mary and I are caffeine addicts to begin with. But then you add some mocha to it and... That's it. We're, it's all over. We're like children again. Willow wants to know why it is that an interest in calisthenics. Isn't she kind of naturally buff? What she actually says is, isn't she a naturally, naturally buff, buff, buff buff? It's just, it's so And cool. she, she's so, and she's like, she giggles at her own little, Willow's adorable. She is super adorable in this episode. Yeah, there, there's a, she has, so, and even in her, even in her quote unquote dramatic moments in this episode, she is still super cute. Buffy explains that there are physical tests along with the psychological ones. And she just, well, she wants to do better than Faith. Which is silly, she knows. But Willow doesn't think it's silly at all. Competition is normal. Healthy. And she will definitely do better on the psych tests. Mm-hmm. She just needs to remember to not check the box that says, sometimes I like to kill people. Buffy gets that Faith is never going to be on the cover of Sanity Fair. But she's had it rough. Under different circumstances, that could be Buffy. Willow doesn't believe that. Some people, they just don't have that in them. Buffy apologizes then. She knows Willow hates talking about Faith. No, no, it's fine. She can handle it. Really? Because, uh, Buffy looks towards the pencil, which is now spinning out of control. (laughs) It then flies off, embedding itself in a tree. Emotional control. She's working on it. Hey, she's a teenage girl, so. This whole scene is amazing. Yeah. I mean, the scene between Anya and de Hoffren is good, mm-hmm. but the writers managed to fit so much foreshadowing mm-hmm. into this conversation between Buffy and Willow. Because we, as the audience, know Willow does have a dark side. Yes. And some psychopathic tendencies. Yep. I mean, we saw it in The Wish. We'll see it here. 
But we also see it in season six when we meet Dark Willow. Mm-hmm. And so- we also like the other thing, the other thing that I like about it is how they flat out say, oh, under different circumstances, she could be like Faith. We see that in The Wish. So we know yeah. that Buffy has the she, you know, it's it not like not exactly like Faith, but to be I was going to say, I'd argue she's more Kendra. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, more Kendra, but she, you I know, mean, she's even wearing Kendra's outfit. Yeah, yeah, and that that, but you know, again, she is, she can be different than what she, what she is under different circumstances. So yeah, this this scene they pack in so much. Yes, they really do, and I and I also love the little like bewitch styled melody that mm-hmm. plays when the pencil embeds into the tree. Yes. But before we go on, uh, let's talk about Sanity Fair and who plays DeHoffrin. So Sanity Fair is obviously a play on the title Vanity Fair, which is a monthly magazine dealing with popular culture, fashion, and current affairs. The magazine originally ran from 1913 to 1936 and then was brought back in 1983, and that's the version that still runs today. Most people probably know Vanity Fair now because of like the spectacular covers they do for different franchises. Mm -hmm. Like they've just done a beautiful Star Wars one. Um, It just their photography and photo editing. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you don't, even if you're not into the fashion aspect of what Vanity Fair is known for, their covers and their photo shoots for, you know, movie properties and TV properties really are. Yeah. Incredible. I know I have like the full set of like the Star Wars ones. I think I have like the Harry Potter one yeah. somewhere. Like they're they're just they're gorgeous. Yeah, they they really know they really know how to how to capture, especially fantasy properties. Like because because fantasy and fashion are two things that really go hand in hand. Oh, so yeah. you can do a lot of incredible things with fashion and fantasy and photography and. Okay, we can nerd about this for a long time. So let's <laughs> let's let's move on to Dahafrin. Especially because I have to nerd about who plays Dahafrin. Yes, yes, we will. Yeah, we need to nerd about him. <laughs> so uh, this is the first time we see Dahafrin. He is played by Andy Umberger, who, like most actors who have appeared on Buffy, have has made the rounds. He's appeared in everything from General Hospital to The X Files to Nip Tuck, just all sorts of shows. But. What I love, he started his career as a stage actor. Yep. And one of the shows he did on Broadway as part of the ensemble, because I couldn't find out who he played. So that usually means you were in the ensemble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was City of Angels. Mm-hmm. Which, okay, if you have not listened to this show, do yourself a favor. <laughs> load up the soundtrack on Spotify. It's got a whole show within a show feel because the writer is working on turning his book into a movie. And so you have the plot of the movie mixing with the drama of his real life. I cannot say enough good things about this show. Mm -hmm. It won six Tonys the year it was nominated, including Best Musical. They just did a revival in London, which fingers crossed. Yeah, anytime... City of Angels is one of those shows for our group of friends where anytime they revive something else or they make a new a stage show for something that we're like nobody asked for this. Yeah. We always say, why not bring back City of Angels? Especially because I mean, so it won the Tony in 1990. So it's it's an older show. And especially because you could do so much more with it now. Oh, it it could with be. With the whole, like, having the movie be in black and white, like, 
the screen filters they use on stage now, the makeup they have now. Like you could do so much with this show now. Yeah, the tech the technology and everything that they have for stage performances. I am just just thinking about what they could do. They need they need to. They just yeah. it needs it needs to be and and now is a great time. It's a great time for them to to bring it back. Especially be like shows like this that for people that are Mary and my age that we grew up loving musicals in the theater. This is such a great show for the younger generation too to see. Mm-hmm. And especially with everything that's going on in the world and just the beauty of the show and all the ca- like everything. It was it's just a great show that I wish the younger generation could see. It also has my personal mental breakdown song in it. <laughs> so that's another reason everyone should go listen to it. Because there's a whole whole scene where a writer, the writer argues with his creation. And I'm like, this is my mental breakdown song. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's fantastic. <laughs> like, go listen to it. Uh, Andy Umberger, yes, very talented. Yes, he does. He's done. He's done so much. And he's going to, he'll be, DeHoffrin is coming back. Yeah. DeHoffrin's going to be with us for a while. Yes. Credits. Still awesome. When we return from the credits, we're still at Sunnydale High, only now we're in Snyder's office. Oddly enough, before starting this episode, I found myself thinking about how we hadn't seen Snyder in a while. Yeah, yeah. And here he is. In his office with him is Willow and a basketball player named Percy. Snyder says as far as he is concerned, this is a marriage made in heaven. (laughs) That while Willow may have unfortunate tastes and companions but she is the epitome of academic excellence and percy he is the epitome of basketball excellence willow's not sure she's getting the marriage part of all this (laughs) snyder says she's got the brains he's got the fast break perfect match match as in he wants them to breed (laughs) i love will when we said she's so she is just she should be used to this by now, though. Like, she should. She's just having a day. He wants her to tutor him. Percy is flunking history. And nothing seems to be able to motivate him. Percy says he's challenged. And Snyder agrees. He's lazy, self-involved, and spoiled. Quite the challenge. <laughs> but they need a winning year. Especially after the whole debacle with the swim team from last year. <laughs> Love the callback. So Willow is going to take on a little teaching job. He knows how she loves it. True, but she has a lot of work of her own and acceptance letters from every college with a stamp. She still has class though, and Snyder cuts her off. It's time she gives back. He knows she wants to help her school community. Ask him how he knows. How does he? He just knows. (laughs) Few things about this scene. One, Percy is played by Ethan Erickson. Though this is the first time we've seen Percy, this will not be the last. We'll see him a few more times before season three is done. And then I believe once in season four. Aside from Buffy, he's appeared in such things as Scream 3, Friends, General Hospital, Melrose Place, and something called Santa Switch, which most definitely sounds like a Hallmark Christmas movie. That really, yeah, that that definitely. To this scene and the scene that is about to follow, at least the conversation between Buffy and Willow, is very similar to the scenes in Go Fish, where Willow was, in fact, teaching. Her tutoring Percy will be the third time we've seen her teach slash tutor someone outside the gang. We had Rodney, an Inca mummy girl. She took over Jenny's class in the latter half of season two. 
And now she's tutoring Percy. And three, there is a picture I of was, a small child on I Snyder's knew. desk. I knew we were gonna. I'm so glad that we can we can discuss this with our what. So earlier in the week, Mary s- sends me a message saying, "I have more questions. I have a new thing to." I am now obsessed with this, out. you guys. Yeah, we're we're like so. Yes, there is a picture of a little girl like she's on, gotta be four if on even. snyder's desk which led us to a conversation that st- it's probably his daughter i mean it has to be because yeah. okay so there's like two photos on snyder's desk there are only two photos one is this little girl and then one is something that looks like it might have been taken on vacation somewhere mm-hmm. but snyder does not seem like the kind of person who would keep pictures on his desk because he does not want his colleagues asking about his life. No. Definitely doesn't want the students asking about his life. No. So anything he keeps on his desk has to be so important to him Mm -hmm. that he is willing to risk that kind of interaction. So it has to be a child. Yes. It has to be. So what we, our, our whole theory is, as as horrifying it is to imagine that somebody is breeding with Snyder. Froggy tried to tell me it was Umbridge at first. I, I said it had to be Umbridge because who else <laughs> would willingly get together with Snyder? But then it led us to this whole thing about, well, maybe he was married. Maybe she died. Or she left him. Or she left something. him. See, I think maybe, I think he, I think she died. I think so too. I, I think, think that's why he's so grumpy. And I think because because we see in Band Candy that as nerdy as he was, he was fun. Yeah, he was a nerdy guy, but he was fun. He wanted yeah. to like hang out with people. Yeah, like he he was just he wanted to have a good time, like we all do. So, yeah, our theory is that something like that happened, and that's when he started to just go downhill and be miserable. But the fact that he has a picture... So, we yes, we're assuming that this little girl is his daughter because who would it be otherwise? I, I need I it need just, to know. It also, it also makes me, like, feel sad for her because we know what's going to happen to Snyder. So not this is only- why she grows up to be a supernatural PI. Yes. So she becomes obsessed with this. Yes. So so her name is Samantha. Yes, because Sam Snyder, like Sam Spade, is just a great yeah. PI name. And she she ends up getting a PI license and opens a little place in Sunnydale to investigate all the weird shit that happens. I think it. I think this. I think this holds true. If there's ever a like reboot series, yeah, talk again. And and this is another. Th- this is another thing that I'm going to ask you know Marty about. I like. I want to like talk to the set dresser because yeah, I know from listening to like podcasts like The Office Ladies, these are very deliberate decisions. Mm-hmm. Like you're not just gonna. I mean, like yeah, something can't be seen like books on a shelf or something. But something on someone's desk, that's going to be a very deliberate And decision. the way, because you also take into account the way scenes are shot. Yeah. So this scene is his back 
as he's addressing, you know, he's standing behind his desk, he's addressing the kids, you see his desk. So you're seeing what he's keeping on his desk. So yeah, no, new mystery, obsessed. We answered it ourselves, but I would I would love to know what the official answer is. Yeah, that's that's our that's our that's our theory. I mean, we definitely can theorize that it is his child, but then, you know, of course, we go from there and create a whole it had to have backstory future for her. <sighs> and I and then it then <laughs> I was starting to feel bad for him. At one point when I started down this road, I did get the, we don't sympathize with Snyder. But then everybody started sympathizing with Snyder. Yeah, like, like having, you know, thinking about, oh, well, he lost a wife and he's now a single dad. But then imagining him being so sweet with her. Right? And I mean, it also like kind of plays into this double nature that we've seen Mm -hmm. from Snyder. Like the fact that he's not just throwing kids out of the school left and right. He's like, you will organize parent-teaching. You will take small children trick-or-treating. Like he, in a weird way, is actually making Sunnydale High a better place. Yeah, and I think, and then, but I think also there's, there could be a lot of influence from the mayor. Oh, clearly there was influence from the so, mayor. So, like, with him and, like, with him ending up going down a different road. So, under different circumstances, he might have just been your dick of a principal. Yeah. But not as bad. No, and I'm still, now I'm really sad about the girl that her dad, like, lost both. Now she lost both of her parents. And <laughs> Who's she living with? Uh, there's probably an aunt or an uncle or something. Yeah, are there grand? You know, are the grandparents in town? There's grandparents. There's someone. She's living yeah. with someone. She's yeah. Maybe she le- Maybe she leaves town and comes back later, as when she's older. I think so. I think she like gets sent to live with like grandparents or an aunt or something wherever Snyder was originally from, because he yeah. was brought in. Yeah, from somewhere to sunny, else. Somewhere else to run yeah. Sunnydale. I think she went there and then she comes back. Yeah. As an adult, once they rebuild Sunnydale, which we know in the sequel book series, they did. Yep. And then she like sets up shop there because she's utterly fascinated by like what happened to her as a child. Yeah. And, and also all the, all the stories and everything that. Yeah. And she, cause she taught, then she starts to talk to people who were around and they tell her stories about all these disappearances. And we need to get on writing this. We we need to. This is our new project. I never really wanted to write anything for an IP, but I want to write this. <laughs> this is this is our new this is our new thing, guys. Yeah, so. we need to maybe write a comic book. Yeah. <sighs> oh, okay. Anyway. anyway, well, let's get back on track. <laughs> From the office, we go to Buffy and Willow entering the library. Buffy asking if Snyder threatened Willow. Not really. Not with anything he said, but kind of with his eyes. There was some nostril work as well, (laughs) but mostly with his eyes. (laughs) Buffy says it sounds like Snyder needs her to kick his ass. No, no. Willow doesn't want her to get into trouble. It will be okay. She just, she doesn't like the way he bullies people. He just assumes everyone's time is his. In a beautiful bit of irony, Mm -hmm. Giles appears in his doorway immediately following that line and telling Willow he needs her to hop on the computer and take another pass at trying to access the mayor's files. Something she agrees to without hesitation. See, she doesn't mind doing it for Giles. No, because it's Giles. And he appreciates her. Yes. So as we said earlier, yeah, Willow is just super cute in this episode. I love her little fuzzy sparkly Mm -hmm. bag. Mm Mm-hmm. 
She heads into Giles' office, and Faith and Wesley return from their run. How'd it go? <laughs> Fine. Faith says Princess Margaret had a hard time keeping up, though. Giles asks again, this time wanting Wesley to answer. <laughs> Good. Good. Faith did quite well on the obstacle course. Little sloppy, though. Ooh, the look Faith gives Wesley oh, at that. He deserves it. I mean, we're not we're not really Team Faith right now because she's gone off the rails, but Team Faith right there. Seeing how Wesley is panting and how he <laughs> looks like he might keel over in a second, Giles asks if he's up to taking Buffy out or should he? Wesley says he's fine. He can do it. He just needs a moment to catch his breath. And if Giles has any defibrillators, <laughs> Faith tells Buffy she's going to love it. It's just like fun, but boring. Giles gently scolds her, telling her that these tests are necessary to the council's she knows. She's on board. She was just shooting off her mouth. Buffy says she better go change and starts to leave the library. Faith wishing her good luck as she does. It's an awkward moment, but you can see that both she and Buffy are supposedly trying to move past what happened. Faith then hops up on the counter to see what Willow's up to. Willow, who really does not care for Faith hanging about, says she's trying to break into the mayor's personal files. Can she do that? He's got some pretty tricky barriers set up, but can she break them? Eventually. As Willow continues to work, she sits there, continuing to watch. So that she can turn around and tell the mayor everything. To be fair, even if it was somebody that I liked, the way that Faith is sitting on the counter... Yeah, no, leaning over me. Leaning over Willow. Like, I constantly get... Because the like, and, and you get because of the way your sofa is, you're sitting there doing something and somebody is just leaning over behind you. I'm like, no, no, I like you, but please, please no, don't over, do that. Over there. Personal bubble. You can, you can sit beside me. Sitting beside me isn't so bad, but just something about people hanging over behind you is just not good. He finds it all very interesting. Faith says she did too. And is he serious about this place? <laughs> Because the camera pulls back and we see that Faith and the mayor are currently standing in a pretty snazzy loft apartment. I will say she is cute in this scene. Oh, yeah. I'm going to talk about that in a second because she is so cute. She is. uh, Of course he is. No slayer of his is going to live in a rundown flea infested motel. That place has a very bad reputation. (laughs) A lot of immoral liaisons going on there. Yeah, Faith says. Not to mention the screwing. Taking in the whole of the place, which includes a gift basket wrapped up all nice and with daggers. I mean, she says it's the kicks. He tells her to keep her old place in case she needs to see any of her friends. But from now on, she shoes, shoes. (laughs) The mayor scolds Faith, who is currently jumping on the bed, still wearing her shoes. She jumps off and goes to him, thanking him and calling him sugar daddy, which he does not find amusing. He's a family man. Now, let's kill her little friend. Faith actually balks at that. And the mayor assures her that he won't ask her to do it. Not this early in the relationship. Besides, a vampire attack looks way less suspicious. But hey, in the meantime, she should finish checking out the place. Because some lucky little girl might just have herself a PlayStation. No way. Yes way. (laughs) So, like we said last week, Faith is actually a really good liar. Yeah. Because while I know early on in the season, we expressed our want to have this sort of double agent teen go on longer, Mm -hmm. we do get this tiny bit of it. With Faith still hanging out with the gang while working with the mayor. I think it's literally just this episode. 
because yeah. the next one is enemies. Yeah. But, you know, still here she is lying to the whole of the gang and, and no one is the wiser. And also, like you just said, I do love the whole scene in the apartment because it does highlight how much Faith just wants someone to care about her mm-hmm. and to put her first. Because that's the whole problem with Sunnydale, right? Yeah. Like, she came here to meet Buffy and to hide out from Kikistos. And once the council said she should stay, she stayed. But then she found herself in a situation where she was always going to be second to Buffy. Yep. Sunnydale was Buffy's town. Giles was originally Buffy's watcher. When she got a watcher of her own, they turned out to be evil. And when Giles was fired, they still send only one watcher. Yes. One watcher for both of them, who Faith assumed is also going to put Buffy first. Not to mention Buffy has the friends, the boyfriend, the loving mom. So here's the mayor who, yes, sees the asset Faith can be to his team, but who is putting her first. Yeah, and he even, like, the way he says, no slayer of mine. Like, he, I mean, and look, like, and the, the fact that, you know, she calls him sugar daddy and she does the whole faith thing where she's being cute and sexy. And he's just like, oh, no, 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 no. That's that's not who I am. Like he is like, that's what I love about the mayor, too, is his whole like, I'm a family man. I love my family. I'm evil. But I'm and and he's not taking advantage in that way of this. No. This girl. And really like her whole her and. You can even see by the way that she's acting in this scene that this is what she is supposed to be. Yeah, and I'm she, pretty sure this is the happiest we've seen her the entire yeah. time she's been in Sunnydale. Yeah, and Eliza's Eliza's acting throughout this entire scene, the different emotions that she has for Faith. You know, she's excited. Then he mentions about killing Willow and she doesn't. Because I think, I don't think Faith really wants to hurt anyone except maybe Buffy. Yeah. As part of that whole like twisted sibling rivalry between them. Because, you know, why should Buffy get everything? But I think Faith honestly like thinks if Buffy gets taken out by the mayor and his plan, then Willow and Xander become her friends. Exactly. And Sunnydale becomes her town. So she doesn't want to hurt Willow and Xander. They're going to be her best friends once Buffy's Mm -hmm. gone. And it's just like, it's just... She just wants to belong somewhere. And now I'm really sad for Faith. I know, I know. When you when you really stop and think about Faith and you see her in this scene and you just watch her, like you can see this is just what she wants. And she doesn't yeah. know how she she has no other way of getting it. No. We're sad for Snyder and now we're sad for Faith. We're sad for everyone today. I know. So who all right, let's switch gears and talk about Princess Margaret. Yes, let's talk about Princess Margaret. <laughs> And especially why Faith used that specific royal Mm -hmm. in reference to Wesley. So Princess Margaret is the younger sister of Queen Elizabeth. In fact, she is Queen Elizabeth's only sibling. For a long time, she was one of the most famous socialites, as her love life was full of scandal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Margaret's Margaret. Margaret was especially like if you watch The Crown, that gives you half of it. Yeah, like not only did she at one time want to marry a divorced man, which was disallowed by both the royal family and the Church of England, but she herself later on divorced. Yeah. Um, but like, why her? Why why this royal? Well, as it turns out, Princess Margaret was a very heavy smoker for most of her adult life, suffering pneumonia and having lung operations. So with Wesley struggling to breathe, it, yeah, it's the little correlation there. Yeah. 
And also, it's just kind of funny because, you know, you have Queen Elizabeth and then you have Margaret, who is like the second. And, you know, it's also it also kind of fits with yeah. Giles and Wesley. Wesley. Yeah, the whole theme of like the spare we have going on with Faith. Yeah. Back at school, or rather the next day at school, Willow and Oz meet in the hallway. Oz telling Willow that there's just something about her that's causing him to hug her. It's like he has no will of his own. I love that part. I know. And just how, like, just how they go in for the hug and how he's just so sweet. As they separate, beginning to walk and holding hands, Willow asks where he was. She missed him yesterday. Oz says they got back late, as in Barry. They? Yeah, the band. They had a gig in Monterey Sunday night. Why didn't she know about it? He swears she did. (laughs) Why didn't he ask if she wanted to go? He didn't figure her for wanting to miss school. He thinks she's boring. That's a radical interpretation of the text. (laughs) They have a gig that night at the bronze. Shaking her head, Willow says she can't. Too much homework. They start to go their separate ways and Oz says if she gets done early. Yeah, she'll try. Oz heads into a classroom and Willow hunts down Percy. She thought that they could get together at lunch. Go over his Roosevelt paper. Figure out what books he'll need. Percy has no idea what she's talking about. Her tutoring him? His Roosevelt paper for history? Oh, right. Snyder said she was going to do it. That's not what Snyder said. (laughs) What meeting was she at? Willow says, fine. She'll grab the books. Just meet her at lunch and... No, he can't. He has no time at lunch. He needs to hang out. Okay, well then. Percy wants to know what else does she have to do? It's not that hard. Just type it up and put his name on it. But don't type too good. Dead giveaway. He walks off and Willow sits down feeling a bit, well, down. Taking a banana from her bag, she says she's eating it now. It's not lunch, but she doesn't care. (laughs) As she's struggling to open it, Buffy and Xander come to join her. Did she remember to go to biology last week? Yeah. See? Buffy told Xander. Old reliable. No, no. He. She asked if he remembered to if she, if she remembered to tape biography. Wait, real? That makes no sense. Yeah, because it. Cause, and and uh, in the yeah, if if she remembered to tape an episode, there was an episode of biography. I think that they need because and it even says in the wiki, Buffy and Xander picked the wrong moment to ask Willow if she recorded a TV show for them the other night. Well, that's weird. Okay. So yes. anyway, so yeah, okay. So she taped a TV show. I. I thought they said biography when I was watching it. And then I was yeah. like, no, that doesn't make any sense. They yeah. asked if she went to biology class. No, you were right the first time. Yeah, it was biography. Okay. Which was a show on A&E that did. No, I remember. What oh, no, no, I was explaining that. I was explaining yeah. that for our audience. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, biography. What is it? It's a show. It was a show on A&E. I, they may still do it, but it's exactly what it sounds like. They take a famous person and it's basically behind the music, but for Roosevelt and other other famous people yes so but yes that's why it was if she taped okay biography which is part of why she's getting okay mad about being asked if she remembered to do something i thought they wanted her notes from class yeah which also is a likely thing so yeah Yeah. okay anyway old reliable (laughs) old reliable willow looks up at buffy gee thanks what old reliable that's a sexy nickname Xander says Buffy didn't mean anything by it. She was just referencing the geyser. Because Willow's like a geyser of fun that goes off at set times. That's old faithful. Really? Because he thought that was the dog that the guy had to shoot. (laughs) That's old yeller. Buffy begs Xander to stop helping her. (laughs) 
and tells Willow that she didn't mean anything by it. It's good to be reliable. Yeah, but maybe she doesn't want to be reliable anymore. Maybe she's not just some doormat person. Homework gal. Xander's thinking nerve strike? But Willow continues. Maybe she'll change her look. Or cut class. They don't know. And she's eating that banana. Lunchtime be damned. <laughs> That's another quote uh-huh. that I use all the yeah. time. Yeah. She turns to head off and Buffy goes to follow. Willow stops her though explaining that she's kind of storming off. It doesn't work if Buffy comes with. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but I love that Willow explains this to Buffy the same way that Oz explained it to her in yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so cute. Yeah, I think, I I really do think that that's... Intentional. Intentional, because Oz said that to her, so now she gets to say it. And I feel like, like we always talk about, these are things that we say all the time. Yeah. So I like to think that that is a phrase that they end up using with each other all the time in their group. So I would explain Old Yeller, but I refuse to for the reasons that Xander mentioned. Yeah, it's, if you don't know what Old Yeller is by now, go look it up because we're not discussing it. Or just look up the clip of Friends where they talk about it because Phoebe's reaction is everything you need to know. Yeah, and and speaking of, speaking of reactions, speaking of reactions to stuff on Friends, I also liked when Joey was reading Little Women. And he came in, he came into Central Perk and Rachel's sitting there and he's looking sad and she's just like, Beth. And she's like, come here. I know. I like any cries over, <laughs> you know, for as, as, as much as that show doesn't hold up anymore, there are still some really great moments. Oh, yeah. Walking up the steps, Willow was approached by Anya, who introduces herself. Because, yeah, no one except Cordelia's met her. Yeah, because she, hang- she was hanging out with Cordelia. And and since Cordelia doesn't remember the events of the wish, no one knows what Anya is. Mm-hmm. Anya explains that she's kind of new to Sunnydale, knows Cordelia, and she has this project she's working on and heard Willow was the person to go to. Of course. Willow says, yep, that's her. Reliable dog geyser person. What does she need? Nothing big. It's just a spell she's working on. Spell? Willow instantly perks up, coming down to where Anya is. She likes the dark arts. Anya says she just needs a secondary to create a temporal fold. And she heard Willow is a pretty powerful witch because I refuse to lose the term they said because the two are not interchangeable. Yes. She heard right. Willow's always up for a little dark mojo. So tell her. Is it dangerous? Anya shakes her head. Oh no, definitely not. Well, can they pretend it is? In a darkened, empty classroom, Willow and Anya sit on the floor, a plate in between them. On the plate is a true-to-life painting of Anya's necklace. As they set up what they'll need for the spell, Anya says that the necklace was a family heirloom, passed down for generations, but that it was stolen from her mom's apartment. So I know, like, this is a lie, but I have questions. Where does she live? Where is Anya living? (laughs) Where is she getting money for the basics one needs to live? And how is she getting around the school or anyone official needing to speak to her parents? (laughs) This is the usual 90s explanation of don't ask questions. Yeah, I mean, I guess like you could say like she was set up with all that when she first came to Sunnydale because it did take her two or three days Mm -hmm. to get Cordelia to make her wish. But like really until she moves in with Xander later and starts working at the... 
Wait, how, how is she surviving? It's just an other mystery. We'll never have the answers. Maybe to. she had, I mean, she's very old. So maybe she just had a lot of money saved up and she's just hanging out. I don't know. Yeah, I don't ask a lot of questions about. Are you looking up? I am looking up. If anyone like. Okay, so apparently you see an apartment at some point. And so people think like maybe it was like at least an apartment or something was created for her when she like created this persona. But yeah, I know a lot of people are like, where are the audio? We're not the only people wondering this question. I'm always I'm always glad when other people are asking the same things we are. Anya explains the specifics of the spell, how they asked the god Arishan to retrieve the necklace for them from the temporal fold. They begin, and once they open the fold, Willow sees visions of the other world, of Anya as a demon, of her and Xander as vampires, of everyone getting killed. Her hand shakes, and instead of pouring the sand over the drawing of the necklace, she ends up pouring it all over herself. The fold closes and Willow demands to know, what was that? Anya, however, is more concerned with the fact that her necklace didn't make it. Willow says this whole thing, it's a little darker than she likes her art. There's stuff Anya isn't telling her. Anya assures her that all she wants is her necklace. Did she try looking in the sofa? In hell? (laughs) Anya says it's fine. They'll just try again. And Willow says, no, they will not. (laughs) She can't do it by herself. That's a relief. Willow begins to pack up, making sure to grab her chicken feet. (laughs) And Anya says, fine, go. Before calling her an idiot child. Willow says magic is dangerous. It's not to be toyed with. Now, if you'll excuse her, she has someone else's homework to go do. (laughs) She walks out and frustrated, Anya shatters the plate. The shattering sound takes us to the abandoned factory where vampire Willow awakes. All alone, taking a look around, she declares, this is weird. On the not-so-mean streets of Sunnydale, <laughs> merriment is abound. Yeah, there, there is. these are the happiest the streets have been. Like, ever. Ever, yeah. Like, you never get everybody being outside and having a good time. Children are playing, running about, families are out together. It looks like a Hallmark dates. movie. Oh, yeah. All as Vamp Willow walks down the road looking very, very confused. And very out of place. An old lady comes up to her, meaning to ask her a question, but one snarl from Vamp Willow and she's gone. At the bronze, Kay's Choice plays Virgin State of Mind, (laughs) another song that was included on the official Buffy the Vampire Slayer album. Peak 90s. Oh yeah, perfect, perfect 90s like coffee house yeah, slash yeah. club sound. Yeah, her, and and just the the image of her sitting on the stool and the song and the lyrics. Yeah, this is what we had to work with in the 90s. As it plays, we see Vamp Willow enter the bronze, looking around as she tries to make sense of it all, of the lack of vampires and the excess of people. She wanders for a bit right until she bumps into Percy who seems kind of into her outfit. He asks if she's trick-or-treating and then tells her that she should be at home writing his history paper. If he flunks that class, she's going to be in real trouble. Till they graduate, he owns her. Vamp Willow is not amused by this and declares herself bored now (laughs) before throwing Percy across a pool table. She's having the most horrible night. Would he like to make it better? Calling him up and holding him by the throat, she gives him a wicked look. 
Those gathered around watch and Xander arriving on the scene wants to know what's going on. Is it a funny thing? (laughs) Some people point him in the direction of the altercation and he is immediately there grabbing Percy and tossing him to the side, telling him to get off as he assumed Percy had attacked Willow. He tells Percy to stay the hell away from her and Percy, as he's running out, says, no problem. (laughs) Xander then goes to check on Willow, but is a bit distracted by the outfit. That is definitely a new look. Vamp Willow is thrilled to see Xander. He's alive. She goes to nuzzle him, thoroughly confusing poor Xander, who says her hands are venturing into naughty places. They don't want to fall back on old habits, do they? And he is really uncomfortable with this. You can see that he's... And again, this this is another point in Xander's favor. Yeah. Where he is reminding Willow that... They're, they're not doing anything like they're this is not what they want to be doing but sure xander her hands trail lower and soon xander is jumping back okay those hands went to some new places with a frown willow realizes he's alive yeah she said that before is she okay no with a pout vamp willow shakes her head everything's different before she can explain more buffy arrives there xander is Is he going to introduce her to his holy god? That is is one of my favorite. I love, I love Buffy's reaction there. Because that's what, when you, when you're not expecting it to be somebody. Vamp Willow just gives Buffy a glare and a small, you. Know what? Buffy likes the look. It's a little extreme, yes. But it's a leather thing. And she said extreme already, right? Stepping closer, Vamp Willow tells Buffy that she doesn't like her. A bit hurt and not at all understanding what's going on. (laughs) Buffy says she's sorry about earlier. Willow knows how her foot likes to live in her mouth. But that didn't mean Willow doesn't have to prove anything to them. With a completely disinterested look, Vamp Willow says that she's leaving now. Xander's not loving this new Willow. And Buffy, she goes to stop her, but Vamp Willow just goes all grr face and tells Buffy to get off her. Shocked and devastated, Willow and Xander watch her leave, which leads to her walking along the now once again mean streets of Sunnydale. As she cuts down an alley, two vampires approach her. Willow Rosenberg, she says she's not supposed to talk to strangers. They promise there won't be any talking. They make to attack, but they are clearly not expecting this version of Willow, (laughs) who quickly takes them both down. Kneeling atop one of them, she says he made her all cranky. (laughs) They tell her there's been a mistake. They were sent after a human. Holding the vamp's hand in hers, Vamp Willow makes to break one of his fingers. Who does he work for? He's not telling her anything, so break it she does. Moving on to the next one. Who does he work for? Wilkins, the mayor. Still not the answer she's looking for. So she breaks that finger as well, moving to a third. (laughs) Who does he work for? Her. Correct. She lets him up and tell him to get his friends. This world's no fun anymore. They're going to make it like it was, starting with the bronze. Back at the library, Buffy and Xander enter, silently, solemnly. Coming out of his office, Giles says he's surprised they're there. He thought Buffy was going out tonight, and what's wrong? What happened? Because Giles can tell from their faces, their whole demeanor. That something bad just happened. They clearly tell him. Because next thing, we see the three of them sitting close together on the steps. None of them really knowing what to say or do. Xander says this can't be real. And Buffy, she feels nothing. Arms, legs, nothing. 
Giles says Willow truly was the finest of them. Xander agrees. Way better than him. Oh, much. Much better. According to Giles. (laughs) Xander says it's all his fault. And Buffy says no. It's her. She's the one who called Willow reliable. She must have gone out and gotten attacked. But she never would have done had Buffy not called her reliable. And now her best friend is there, actually. (laughs) As Willow appears asking... What's going on? The way that this scene is set up reminds me of the one in the Zeppo. When Buffy and Angel are having their very serious moment of saying goodbye. And Xander pops in and just ruins the whole thing. But, you know, playing it. (laughs) So there's actually a few more lines that would have gone here. uh, Between where Xander says it's his fault and Buffy breaks in and says knows it's hers. Because Giles would have asked Xander what made him think that, and his answer would have been statistical probability. <laughs> I like that Xander knows, like, it's probably his fault. Yeah, yeah, I like I like that. I wish that would have been right? kept. Yeah, because it's a perfect Xander line. Even in a moment where they're thinking that the worst has happened, Anyway, Willow shows up and looking at their faces wants to know who died. When no one responds right away, she realizes that maybe someone actually died. And so she asks again, more concerned. That's when Xander pops up, cross in hand, demanding she stay back, back demon. Nothing happens and Xander takes the cross like he's trying to get the batteries to work. Him looking at it and shaking it like it's going to do something else. And that's that's still that's that's more peak Xander. Just oh, this didn't work the first time. Maybe if I shake it, like it's a flashlight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're trying to get the batteries to come on. Yeah. Oh my god. I the only thing that would have made it better if he like smacked it like you would do. Yeah. <sighs> Figuring out that this willow is not a vampire, Buffy also gets up. She's alive, isn't she? Usually, <laughs> Buffy immediately hugs her. Xander too. Willow's grateful for the hugs, loves them both, but oxygen, (laughs) coming an issue. (laughs) And so they let her go. She tries to get an answer out of Giles, but he too just (laughs) rushes to hug her. I love this moment. I do too. Like how relieved they all are, especially Giles. It's just, it's such a sweet moment. And I love the fact that she has no idea at this point. What happened? Why her friends are acting so weird? First, Xander comes up with a cross and then they hug her like they haven't seen her in a thousand years. Like, and Giles, because he loves his, he loves his children. He lets her go a moment later, apologizing. (laughs) Xander, like, patting him on the back. Yeah. It's okay, buddy. I understand. They, they, yeah. the, The camaraderie in this scene and how all three of them are together And while not hugging her again, Buffy is still really close, holding Willow's hand. It, rightfully so, weirds Willow out a little. She's glad they all missed her, but they didn't happen to do a bunch of drugs while she was gone, did they? Xander explains how they saw her at the bronze. She was a vampire. Willow is insulted. She is not a vampire, but she is. Or was? Buffy looks at Giles. Anytime he'd like to jump in with an explanation. Well, uh, clearly <laughs> something is happening. Something <laughs> very strange. Xander wondered how the Watchers Council ever let Giles go. 
So according to the creator, like some of the funniest stuff they ever wrote is in this episode. And he particularly loves this scene and mm-hmm. how it's just the core four. And like, like we just said, all yeah. their interactions within the scene. And I, I think he may be right that some of the funniest stuff they wrote. Oh, this, this this whole this whole episode, and I mean, as much as we love the wish with that world, uh huh, everything that happens in this episode with just you have Vampire Willow and regular Willow, and there's there's a lot of comedy of errors that goes on, and you know, mistaken identity is always a funny thing that that you can get, and they play that in a different way. So yes, yeah, so much of this episode. Yeah, it is. It's one of the it's one of the best written. It's one of the best produced, paced, acted everybody here. And this is a scene with the four of them that you wouldn't be able to do in season one. No, because they hadn't quite gone through everything that they went through to reach this point. This is they are a family. And no matter how much they get on each other's nerves and they fight and shit happens they care about each other. And this also goes to show just how much they value Willow. Oh, Willow. Yeah. And I mean, she wasn't feeling it. Like she was feeling, she wasn't feeling appreciated. She was feeling used. And, you know, she's re- she does realize how much her friends love her. Back at the bronze, Anya takes a seat at the bar and attempts to get a beer. The bartender tells her he'll need to see her ID. She's 120 years old. Just give her a beer. 1120. Oh, that's, I have that written. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, me, and reading skills. <laughs> ID, fine. Give her a Coke. I, this is one of my favorite moments. Because once again, what the fuck is going on at the bronze? Right? So, <laughs> so apparently they have, they, you know, people are over 21, so they do, ha- they are serving alcohol. But good on the guy for making sure he checks her ID. Yeah. Because he knows that there's so many teenagers that come into this place. Yes. But again, it's just like, it's a cafe. It has a bar. It's a dance club. Like, what is, it's everything. It's multi-purpose. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do love the fact that she was trying to order a beer. Well, Anya wallows over her mortality and being under the legal drinking age in California, Oz and the Dingoes begin setting up their equipment. Devin saying that they need a roadie. Other bands have roadies. Other bands can also play more than three chords. In fact, Oz tells Devin that most professional bands play six, (laughs) sometimes seven whole chords. Devin insists that that's just fruity jazz bands. (laughs) Nice, Devin. Real nice. And again, just just how Oz is like, yeah, yeah, let's let's talk about what other bands are able to do. Before Oz can comment on that, Angel appears saying his name. Oz greets him and asks if he's looking for Buffy. Always. Oz says no sightings yet, but she did say she might show. That's when the door bursts open and a horde of vampires stroll in. I don't know why, but Angel like hunting down Oz to hunt down Buffy just struck me as really funny when I was watching this. Because Angel's always such a like lurk in the shadows kind of guy. and But the way he comes out of the shadows... Yeah, just all like, hey, you Hey. And it's like, <laughs> what? What are you, okay? But just, Oz, and Oz being Oz, just rolling with it. Yeah, not phased at all. Yeah. 
But I feel like I feel like what probably happened is he came to the bronze expecting to find Buffy. Didn't find Buffy, but sees, oh hey, look, one of her friends. It's just yeah. And and again, oh, like this is this is just going ahead to like what Angel is is going uh-huh. to be. Like they 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 made him too serious at the beginning. They did. Cause he cause David also and, and you knew from from interviews and stuff and behind the scenes talk, like he is a funny guy. He is. So making him this brooding character that only broods was definitely not playing to his range. Back to the vampires. Other vampires, not Angel. Not Angel. <laughs> Better vampires. They enter spreading out and generally terrorizing the humans. Something Oz accurately says is not good. Eventually, one of them speaks up. As long as everyone shuts up, stays put, and doesn't try to leave, everything will be fine. Angel doesn't exactly believe him, and Oz, he does lack credibility. Is there any way out? Angel says there's a skylight in the roof. He could make it. Good, because it seems like they're going to need backup. It seems like he's needed there. Ten to one? Oz isn't sure his being there would make a difference. Vamp Willow enters then, taking in the sight of all the scared, cowering humans. Her arrival catches Anya's attention, though, as she recognizes her from the other world. Approaching the stage, she says, everyone's all afraid. It's just like old times. Oz, he doesn't want to believe what he's seen, but is resigned to doing what's necessary, telling Angel to get Buffy. Get her now. As Angel slinks into the shadows and (laughs) the rope that will get him to the skylight, Oz steps forward. Devin's in awe. Look at his girlfriend. (laughs) Devin. Approaching (sighs) a lone girl at a table, Vamp Willow asks her name. Sandy. Caressing her arm before taking her hand, Willow says she doesn't need to be afraid just to please her. She pulls Sandy up from her chair, bringing her in close to her as she says, If they're good boys and girls, then Vamp Willow and the others will make them young and strong forever. But if not, she goes into girl mode and bites Sandy's neck. That sends Oz towards the stairs, a vampire moving to stop him from leaving the stage. As Vamp Willow lets Sandy fall, she asks, questions? Comments? Oz calls out to her, telling her that she doesn't want to do this. She doesn't, but she's so good at it. Deciding that his new mistress will tolerate Oz, if nothing (laughs) else, the vampire lets him pass, lets him go to her. Oz asks, who did this to her? And Vamp Willow finally seems to recognize him. She knows him. He's a white hat. Why is he talking to her like they're friends? Anya steps forward then, telling Vamp Willow that it's because he thinks she's someone else. He thinks she's the Willow that belongs in this reality. She gets that, right? This isn't her world? That she doesn't belong there? Vamp Willow says, this is a dumb world. (laughs) In her world, there are people in chains. They ride them like ponies. Anya says she wants to get back there, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so does Anya. In the library, Willow says, it's creepy. She doesn't like the idea that some vampire looks like her. Not looks like, is. Buffy says it was her, right down to the very last detail. Only, you know, Willow's not a dominatrix <laughs> that they know of. Oh, right. Because <laughs> her and Oz play Mistress of Pain every night. Everyone's quiet for a moment as Xander asks if anyone else just went to a scary visual place. Oh, yeah. The door is open and Angel comes straight. (laughs) (laughs) Approaching the table where Buffy and Xander are sitting. He tries to find the words to tell Buffy what happened. Eventually, though, he just blurts it out. Willow's dead. 
they all kind of look to the side <laughs> who stepped forward. <laughs> Seeing her, Angel greets her with a, hey, Willow. <laughs> looking back to the group before immediately looking back at Willow. <laughs> Wait. Xander says, yeah, they're right there with him. They saw her too at the bronze. Okay. Well, she's there now with a cadre of vampires looking to party. I like that word, cadre. I do like cadre. Yeah, cadre. I, I never like thought about it before, but especially after reading Throne of Glass, like that whole series, I have a new appreciation for that word. Yeah, cadre. Cadre is a good word. Yeah, his his double take. His double take there is. It's just again the funniest and the funniest moments in this episode aren't even dialogue wise. Yeah, Buffy gets up from the table along with Xander saying they can figure out who this other Willow is after they stop the feeding frenzy. As they all head out of the library, they start to talk strategy. How many are there? Should they call Faith? Eventually, Willow asks them to hold up. What are they going to do with her? Other her. Buffy doesn't know yet. She just knows they need to stop her. Yeah, okay. But Willow suddenly thinks of something, telling them to go ahead and she'll catch up. They leave and Willow heads back into the library. She reaches over the desk to grab something, and when she comes back up, she's grabbed by Vamp Willow. (laughs) Alone at last. Letting her go, Vamp Willow holds her at arm's length. Well, look at her. She's all fuzzy. Willow wants to know what she wants with her. Anya said she's the one who brought her here. That she can send her back. Oh. Oh. Oops. Vamp Willow, though. Now that she's seen the other Willow, she's not so sure she wants to go back. She likes the idea of them. Thinks they could be quite the team. Willow wants to know if this would mean they have to snuggle. (laughs) Leaning in close, Vamp Willow licks Willow's neck. What does she say? Want to be bad? Willow thinks this just can't get any more disturbing. But then there's hands! (laughs) Or maybe it's the growl. Something causes Willow to jump away. She does say something about the hands. That's later. Oh, okay. So I don't... But it probably is hands. Yeah, probably hands. This is really starting to freak her out. Upset that the other her doesn't want to play, Vamp Willow throws Willow across the desk. If she doesn't want to play, she guesses she can't make her. Oh, wait. She can. She comes around the desk, but Willow, Willow has found a tranquilizer gun and uses it to knock Vamp Willow out. With a bitch, Vamp Willow falls to the ground. I guess somehow the others knew to come back or that they heard the commotion. Either way, they're all back and dragging Vamp Willow into the bookcage. Yeah. Giles says it's uncanny. It's horrible! <laughs> That's Willow as a vampire? Willow says she's all evil and skanky, and she thinks she's kind of gay. <laughs> Buffy tells her that she needs to remember that a vampire is nothing like a person they once were. Angel starts to disagree, but a look from Buffy has him shutting up. <laughs> Good point. I... <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about this. We are unpacking this. I knew this was coming because yes. sometimes Mary can't keep her script secret. I she has to I tell can't. me. She has to tell me what's coming up. And I get very excited when I get to do like long rants and I'm going to do one right now. This is this is one that I'm that I am definitely excited for because it, <sighs> it touches on a lot of things. It touches on some stuff that we've talked about before with being the late 90s. Mary's Mary's pumping herself up like she's stepping I'm, into the boxing ring. I'm so ready. Okay. Because I, I do, I want to talk about this because everyone loves 
to cite this conversation. Mm-hmm. This and the gay now, gay now line from later on. And we'll talk about that one when we get there. But I want to specifically talk about this interaction and the behavior we have seen from Vamp Willow thus far. Yes, Google Docs, I know I spelled behavior with a you shut up. Willow has only seen, quote, unquote, kind of gay behavior in regards to Vamp Willow touching her, touching a mirror image of herself. And we just went through a whole other (laughs) fandom imploding because two alternates fell in love and you can't do that because it's incest. And those weren't even mirror images, which when I told Panda this, Panda was like, uh, wouldn't that be masturbating? That's exactly what I've always said. So like, there's all there's a whole thing that we can unpack right there. I mean, there's always there's there's always been things in, you know, any kind of media where people talk about their like they would do something with a different version of themselves because they don't see it as being anything other than masturbation. Like it's yeah. you know, it's something it's just it's just something that's always been discussed. And so like, like I just said, there is a whole bunch we can unpack right there with like Willow's feelings earlier in the episode and now like the mirror image of herself being into her and embracing your dark side that we, whoa, we could do like a four hour discussion just on that. That's Patreon content. But that is the only behavior Willow has seen from Vamp Willow. And I'm not saying that Vamp Willow isn't into girls because she was definitely getting touchy feely with Zandy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sandy, she was she was definitely definitely do it. Yeah. But she was also ready to jump Xander's bones until she realized that he was alive and not, in fact, her Xander. And we see in The Wish her and Xander. And her angel. An angel. Now, I firmly believe that all vampires are pansexual. Like that is the whole point of vampirism. Sexual freedom, sexual fluidity. I mean, I think the metaphors are pretty clear. Yeah. But if we want to put this into real world terms, Vamp Willow is bisexual. Willow is bisexual. You know, it could have been classified as kind of gay. Being bisexual. But bisexual was a term we didn't like in the 90s. And by we, I mean network executives, conservatives, and even members of the LGBT community. And they still don't like it. No, it, it, it's still, like I said, it's still a touchy subject today. Uh, by prejudice, by erasure being real. I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before. Oh, I can't wait. I am, um, so, I am so glad I was not present for yeah, what Froggy, happened in this Froggy story. Froggy was not here for the events of this story. Because I, I would have had... Oh, I would have, I would have had kind a fun time in there. I, oh, she would have. Ooh. So I had someone who claimed to be a very active and vocal member of the LGBTQ community. We were at a comic con, like this person wanted to go to like all the like representation in media panels. She corrected me on my orientation. We were talking. Um, she asked how I identified And I said, I'm bisexual. She then responded, don't you mean lesbian? As Panda and I were together back then, as we are now. And I said, no, (laughs) I mean bisexual. I am bisexual. Panda's bisexual. Like just the audacity of this person (laughs) 
to try to correct me on my sexual orientation. When when wanting to go to all of the discussions about representation, because you know she would have done the same thing to me, except call me straight. Yeah, but that's what happens. That's what happens then, it was happens now. So saying Willow bisexual was never going to happen back then, especially not in this episode when these lines are like throwaway lines to show the difference between who real world Willow knows herself to be at this point Mm -hmm. and the fact that this is her darker side. Um, But we can take some things from this conversation because even though gay might not be the right term for Willow, she is queer. Mm -hmm. Bisexuality is a (laughs) queerness. And so she is recognizing that she has this little bit of queerness inside of her. And that she has a darkness. Now, she doesn't know that yet, mm-hmm. but all of these things are reflected in Vampire Willow. And and the thing is, and and we don't know, like, the way everything happened with in the, in the other universe, like, to get Willow when she, you know, when she became a vampire. We don't. Willow goes through so much. This, the, you know, in, in the real world, for her to go from the Willow that we know now to Dark Willow, this that's a girl that started out so sweet, went through all this shit, and then finally hit her breaking point yeah. because of what happened. Yeah. I know. We're not there right. yet. We're not at and that point. Not- no, we're not right. there yet. We still, we haven't even met Terry yet. So. We haven't even met Terry. That, no. that was my rant for the day. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so... We are very, we, what a lot of people like the gay now line to say that she's a lesbian, but it is to say that she is just a lesbian erases what she had with Willow or what, what she had, what she had with Oz. And it's just wrong. It's, you know, you, you can't say that just because somebody is with somebody now and erase their entire, because Straight people and people who are lesbian and gay, any of the relationships they had in the past are still their relationships. Yeah. But when you're a bisexual person, all of a sudden, nothing else matters. And like, yes, yes, there are people who realize their orientation later on in life. And so that, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend they had back in high school, that was them trying to be normal or not realizing but that's that's not Willow and Oz. No. Like she deeply loved him and he deeply loved her. And being bi- being bisexual is is being queer. It is to say that Willow is bisexual is not erasing her queerness. Mhm. She's still queer. She's not heteronormative. No one is saying she is. But <sighs> I know. It's I just, yeah, because, and because sure. it's a thing. It's still a thing. It's probably always going to be. a thing. Yeah, yeah. Because apparently, you know, people say that, you know, they don't want to date a bi person because they're going to cheat. Like, is anybody like if you're going into a relationship believing that somebody is going to cheat, that's on you. Mm-hmm. So, yes. And this is not the last time you're going to hear us ranting about this. We're going to oh, rant no. about it again when it's going to come up a lot in later seasons. Yeah. Stand but again, ass. again, like at the time. You had to be one way or the other. Yeah. Like, I mean, the creator was flat out told he had to pick a lane. And so he picked the lane that he was pretty sure was going to piss the network off. Yeah. Which, you know. We all appreciate because we got Tara. 
Yep. And then we got Dark Willow. Xander asks, what do they do now? And Giles says they still need to get to the bronze. Because even if they're supposed to wait for her, they may start feeding. Vampires aren't exactly known for being reliable. (laughs) So they charge in, much in the style of John Wayne. Giles says that could lead to too high a mortality rate. He doesn't have any other ideas, though. Raising her hand, Buffy says she may have one. A very bad one. Cut to the bronze. Peering inside, Angel says they're still in a holding pattern before looking to Willow. They must really be afraid of her. Well, who wouldn't be? Walking towards the door, Willow attempts to adjust herself inside (laughs) the outfit. Is she okay in that? Willow says she guesses vampires really don't have to worry about breathing. And oh, look at those. (laughs) Because yeah, she just got to look at her own cleavage on top. So apparently the cleavage was partly the corset and partly that they gave Allison inserts. Allison really liked the inserts because when they were a little bit wet, you could throw them and stick them to the wall. Uh, having used inserts when I was in co- like in costumes for different at conventions, yeah, we would throw it against the wall. Like I'd be sweating all day and I'd take them out. And they really made a satisfying splat against the wall. Yeah, apparently this is what Allison would do. Yeah. <laughs> like- yeah, yeah. And you know what? And and that is something that you can relate to when you're looking at your your cleavage. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes like when you're when you've got the good boobs going on. When you're in that wench corset for like Oh yeah. I can balance a plate on these. Oh yeah, yeah. When they're all up when they're all up to your chin and yeah. Extremely uncomfortable. Giles says that Willow should go in and diffuse the situation as best she can. Get some of them to come out. And if she runs into trouble, just give the signal. They'll come in hard and fast. And what exactly is the signal? Xander's not sure they ever clarified that. Willow screaming. (laughs) Angel directs Giles and Xander to go wait by the back door. And Buffy once again makes sure that Willow is okay. Don't worry, she doesn't plan on doing anything that can be considered even remotely brave. (laughs) Buffy reminds her that they'll be right outside. Approaching the main door of the bronze, Willow knocks. A vampire lets her in and she tells him she's back. And did she find the girl? She did. So where is she? She killed her and sucked her blood, as (laughs) vampires do. (laughs) Tapping the vampire closest to her, she says she thinks she heard a noise outside. Could he go check? He heads outside, gets staked, and we go back to Anya and Willow. How could she kill the other her? She was her best chance at getting Vamp Willow's world back. Willow says she doesn't like that Anya is questioning her. Maybe she'll have her minions take her out back and rip her apart. While she's talking, she gives Oz a little wave, a small signal to let him know it's her. (laughs) Anya frowns. Vampires. Always thinking with their teeth. Willow says the other her bothered her. She was so weak and accommodating. She let people walk all over her. Then she'd get cranky with her friends for no reason. Oz's little smile while she talks is adorable. He's just like, yep, that's my awesome girlfriend. Yep. Doing something that will potentially get herself killed. Yep. Look at her go. Yep. That's my girlfriend. Also, Devin hiding behind the <laughs> drums. So good. Devin. Willow continues. She just couldn't let her live. She approaches one of the other vamps. The first guy's been gone a while. Maybe he should go check on him. As he leaves, the main minion looks at her. Since the whole sending her home plan is out, why don't they get with the killing? In the library, Vamp Willow is still out cold and in the book cage. 
As she begins to come to, she sees that she's in our Willow's clothes and mutters that it's like a nightmare. <laughs> Cordelia enters way overdressed. Like, what did she have going on? Nothing! She put that on specifically with the hope of running into Wesley. <sighs> because she does her whole, she just happened I to know. come by. I know, like, she looked like she was going to her rich husband's benefit gala. Yeah, yeah, no, she was just hoping to run into Wesley. Yeah. <sighs> Seeing her, Vamp Willow stands and calls out to her with a, hey, you. Hey, her? She has a name. Cordelia. Cordelia asks, what did she do? Lock herself in? Yeah, that's it. She locked herself in. And she needs Cordelia's help because she's all helpless and stuff. <laughs> not even questioning it Cordelia says okay and goes to look for the key Cordy how did Willow get locked in there anyway she was uh looking at books cause she likes books cause she's uh shy yeah the shameless shy girl act all the boys fall for Ugh. she approaches the door and Willow tells her to open the door and she goes to but then stops because it occurs to Cordelia that they never had the chance to talk, woman to woman, with Willow locked up. <laughs> Vamp Willow doesn't want to talk. She's hungry. Pausing for a moment, Cordelia says, what should they talk about? Oh, she knows! The ethics of boyfriend stealing. Looking like she wishes someone would just stake her. Vamp Willow sighs. <laughs> poor, poor, poor Vamp Willow. <laughs> Which takes us back to our Willow. She's not sure she wants to kill people anymore. She's bored. And it would be like shooting fish in a barrel. No fun. Her minion says that the fun is in the eating. Willow's trying her best here. Trying to be all evil and seductive. It's not working. Her hand is getting caught in people's hair. <laughs> a plus for effort. I, she gets She gets major points for making the attempt. Uh, you know what? She is all of us. What if they let everyone go and gave them a 30 second head start? This is about when Anya starts catching on, saying, hold on a minute. No, Willow likes her plan. Anya tells her, nice try. Okay, fine. Let's start with the killing. They can start with Anya. Anya says they can start with Willow. Because if Willow's a vampire, she's the creature from the Black Lagoon. Poor vamp Willow, though, like we said, she's just leaning on the bookcase. Listening to Cordelia and wishing for death. Yeah, she is just not, she's not having a good day. She just wants to go home. It's not even like Cordelia was all that attracted to Xander. She knew he was a loser, but they kept being put in these life or death situations and that's how the sexy. As she catches Vamp Willow watching her, she says, what? Does she have something on her neck? Not yet. Is she getting a zit? Vamp Willow will do anything <laughs> to get out of the cage, including apologizing to Cordelia. She's sorry. She was wrong. She will never steal her boyfriend again. Like she could. Cordelia says she should just leave her in there. But she's a great humanitarian, so Willow will just have to think of a way to pay her back sometime. She opens the cage and Vamp Willow steps out, immediately going all, grr. <laughs> okay, how about dinner? Cordelia immediately starts running, tearing out of the library and down the hall with Vamp Willow in pursuit. As they make their way through an empty classroom, Cordelia says she didn't mean all the stuff she said. She wants Willow to have Xander. She gives them her blessing. Vamp Willow says she's over Xander. She needs new blood. 
Cordelia screams again and Wesley hears. So, like, he must have some position at the school that we're never told about. Because he's there way after hours with a briefcase. Obviously, he wasn't in the library with, like, Giles and Buffy. Oh, who knows? (laughs) You know, Faith was wandering around the school and Anya somehow was in school. Who knows? Again, the 90s were the Wild West. He takes off in the direction of the sound, already beginning to pull something from his jacket. Something that turns out to be a cross. Because just when Vamp Willow thinks she's cornered Cordelia in the vest- in the bathroom, Wesley pops up from nowhere, brandishing a cross and ordering her to leave this place. <laughs> she says she doesn't want to. He then grabs a vial of holy water, not opening it and like tossing it at her, but like <sighs> brandishing it. Oh my God. <laughs> And Fam- it's just, Fampolo can't be bothered. Uh, you know what? At that point, it's best to just leave these idiots and just... Like, I, I love her, like, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> she's... Walks off. She's just done with these two. This leaves Cordelia and Wesley alone in the girls' room. Wesley's a bit jumpy at first, blaming it on the whole men in combat <laughs> situation. But he calms down after a moment or so, asking Cordelia if she's all right. He saved her life. She hugs him, and he likes it, but also a bit awkward, seeing as he's holding a cross in holy water, and Giles pointed out the whole student thing, but also there's bigger concerns than if she should be hugging her. Cause was that... Willow. Cordelia confirms it. They got Willow. So, I don't remember. We'll have to see next episode. I don't think we ever see Willow, or Wesley, and Cordelia... Getting the confirmation that that was a second Willow. Yeah, I'm gonna, I think that probably was just something that happened. Because I would have liked to have seen a Cordelia Willow scene. Yeah. That like, kind of like when Willow runs into everyone else. But yeah, I think that all happens off screen. A lot of stuff happens off screen. Back in the bronze, Anya also can't be bothered. (laughs) She's tired. So tired of humans and their emotional baggage. She honestly doesn't care anymore if she gets her powers back. She thinks the minion should eat Willow. Willow says Anya has a history of mental illness dating back to early childhood. She is a blood-sucking fiend. Look at her outfit. (laughs) Human. The minion feels dumb for not smelling it sooner. Human. If she were human, could she do this? Pausing for just a moment, Willow lets out an ear-piercing scream. Looking at each other, Anya and the minion both say, yeah, she could. <laughs> Thankfully, the gang burst in then, Buffy and Angel wasting no time with the hitting and the staking. Willow manages to punch Anya. It hurts her hand, but she does it. Right before Oz drags her up on the stage and out of the fight. He heads for the side door, telling Devin to come on. <laughs> trying to escape via the rope. Devin is a delight in these scenes. Devin you don't we don't see Devin a lot, but whenever we do, he's having a grand old time. Their way is blocked by Vamp Willow, however, who tosses Oz aside and into Devin before going for Willow. So no more snuggles? She knocks Willow to the ground. The fight continues, Xander and Giles joining in, all while the two Willows struggle. Vamp Willow attempting to choke out her counterpart, which no one really notices at first, all too busy with the rest of the vamps. I particularly like the part where Angel just starts throwing pool balls at people. 
Oh my god! I was cracking up like you just see him reach behind him and grab a pool ball and like throw it at a vampire. This this whole this whole damn episode this whole damn episode is just delightful. Eventually, though, Buffy hears and races to the rescue, taking out a few vamps along the way. She reaches the stage and goes to stake Vamp Willow when Willow yells, "No!" The stake stops just mere centimeters from the vampire's back. A nice parallel to the alley. Had it been Buffy, she might have been able to stop the, stop the stake before it hit Alan's heart. Willow tells her nice reflexes and she says she works out. Holding Vamp Willow in place, Buffy waits as Willow stands and the rest of the gang gathers. Looking around, Vamp Willow pouts. This world is no fun. She noticed that too, huh? In the factory where Vamp Willow first appeared, after the two Willows have switched back their outfits, Anya and Giles prepare the spell to send Vamp Willow home. As they're waiting, Xander sidles over to her. So, in her world, he's like this badass vampire. People are afraid of him. She gives him a look and he grins. Yeah, he's bad. This, this dork. I love him so much. I know. He's, people need to get on board. Buffy's still not sure about releasing Vamp Willow into the wild. She is a demon. Yeah, but Willow says she can't kill her. No. Neither could Buffy. It's silly, Willow knows. They have nothing in common, but there but for the grace of getting bit. They send her back to her world and she stands a chance. It's the right thing to do. Giles says they're just about ready and Willow approaches her vampire self. As she does so, Giles warns Anya not to try any tricks. Anya says she doesn't need tricks. When she gets her prowlers back, they will all grovel before her. Both the Willows roll their eyes at her. <laughs> Giles instructs them to join the circle and Willow tells Vamp Willow, good luck, and to try not and kill people. She then hugs her, which for a second seems sweet, until hands! Yeah, there's, hands. The, there's the hands. Vamp Willow smirks and they join Anya and Giles, both of them kneeling on the ground. They perform the spell and Vamp Willow returns to her world right at the moment she left it, which means she returns home only to immediately die. And I am sad for a lot of people this episode. I know. Poor Vamp Willow. I know. We end this episode the next morning. At no, don't don't forget to mention she gets staked and she goes, oh, fuck. Well, that, is it, does that only happen in this episode or does that happen in The Wish too? Because I think it happened in The Wish too. I don't know. No, no, no. It didn't happen in The, it didn't happen in the Wish because... When she gets when she gets staked in that, like everything is just happening so fast. Okay, I don't but think it's this because her like she comes back and then and yeah, she's so excited she that she's she's so excited that she that she's back and as she's turning to dust, she gets out. Oh fa yeah, and then I do she's like gone. That yeah, because she looks she's so excited. She's back where she was supposed to be, I and know. then oh no, I know. We end this episode the next morning at Sunnydale High. Buffy and Willow sit together outside and Buffy asks Willow if she wants to go out that night. No. She kind of has an urge to stay in and do her homework and floss and die a virgin. She does know it's possible to OD on virtue, right? Willow says between her and her evil self, she has double guilt coupons. (laughs) She sees now where the path of vice leads. She messed up everything she touched. She doesn't want to ever be like that. Uh, this is, again, just such fantastic foreshadowing yep. to Willow's Descent, where her dependence on magic leads to her alienating Giles and Tara, causing Dawn to get hurt, having Buffy lose her trust in her. So she, too, will seem to mess up everything she touches for a while. Yep. Their conversation is interrupted by Percy. 
it seems Van Willow put the fear of God into him <laughs> because he did an outline, two outlines, as he didn't know which President Roosevelt he was supposed to be writing about. He also did a bibliography. He knows they're short, but he can redo them, whatever Willow wants. And then he starts to leave before turning back and giving Willow an apple. So does Willow want to go out tonight? Yeah. How about nine? The end. Love it. So clearly the title of this week's episode is taken from the term doppelganger, which refers to a duplicate of a person, their mirror image. However, it is not always the case of like evil twin. Yeah. In fact, often the generous one can be violent and the peaceful one greedy. Oddly enough, this is not the only time Allison will play a character with a doppelganger. Lily on How I Met Your Mm -hmm. Mother has a doppelganger who's a stripper. Yes. And not only is this one of the creator's favorite episodes, it is one of Allison's as well. I don't think that will be a surprise to anyone. Because she gets to play both. She gets to play both roles, both characters. And she loved the vampire makeup. I think it was after this episode that like the next Halloween, she had Todd do her Mm -hmm. up as Vamp Willow to go to a party. Yeah. All right. That's it for this week. Thank you all for listening and make sure to join us next time when we'll be discussing the Buffy novel Sins of the Father. Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.